0: Inflammation is a healthy body response to a virus, to a cut. For example, if you catch a virus, mm. your immune system will be triggered to develop a fever to fight the virus. So inflammation is a healthy body response.
1: Welcome to Forever Young, the health and well-being podcast from Lanzarote. My name is Mario Pedazoli, and in every episode join me in conversation with a variety of health experts and special guests as we explore what it means to live well. We may not find the secret to eternal youth, but join me on our quest as we explore just what it means to live a balanced, healthy and happy life. Hello and welcome. Well, as we all strive to keep ourselves healthy and live well for longer, Today's show carries a particularly important message as we look at the impact of chronic inflammation on our long-term health. Well, it could be argued that we should be paying attention to inflammation more than anything else. Indeed, inflammation has become one of the hottest areas of medical research, and hardly a week goes by without the publication of yet another study uncovering a new way that chronic inflammation can harm the body. The inescapable conclusion is that chronic inflammation may be the engine that drives many of the most feared illnesses of middle and old age. First thing to be said is that inflammation happens in all of us, whether we are aware of it or not. Our immune system creates inflammation to protect the body from infection, injury or disease. Sustained and ongoing inflammation, however also known as chronic inflammation, can be detrimental to not only our physical, but also our mental health. Anxiety, hormonal issues, autoimmune disorders, low energy, the root of all these symptoms can often be linked to chronic inflammation. And it therefore stands to reason that by leading a low inflammation lifestyle, we can maintain a strong immune response. So to help us delve deeper... Today we are joined by the founder of of the online well-being platform Eat, Burn, Sleep, Yalda Aloe, who will help us explore this topic further and how to achieve optimal health by living an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. Now Yalda's story is a very powerful one. After suffering a series of her own health issues, including a battle with two autoimmune conditions, Yalda decided to take matters into her own hands and researched more holistic ways of curing her ailments. Yalda, it's a great pleasure to have you here today. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. And how accurate your introduction has been.
1: (laughs) Thank goodness for that. So, well, look, let's start, well, not at the beginning, but certainly at the start of your career. Because, um, as I said, you have an interesting story. In fact, you started life as a banker. So clearly your career today was not the master plan. Um, so maybe um, share a little bit more about your story and how you came to, well, pioneer the topic of chronic inflammation.
0: Yes, it's, it is an unusual story and I never saw it coming myself. I, um, I, I studied in France. Uh, I did what people, um, something called prepa for a grande école, and then I went to business school where I stu- I specialized in finance and I came to London to do a master's um, in accounting and finance at the London School of Economics because although the f- school I went to in France is really well regarded in France, um, the French are not very good at advertising themselves outside of France. <laughs> I should add a degree to show the world that I could potentially work in a bank and do a good job. <laughs> So, after that, I worked on the trading floor, uh, which was extremely fun, especially pre-2008. Lots of business trips, Mm. um, and I really enjoyed that. When I had my children, I decided to slow down and stop working on the trading floor. Um, Now, you know, it's much better for women to juggle both, but back then you effectively mm. didn't have a career anymore the moment you had kids. Mm. I mean, it was one or the other, and I made the choice of my children. Mm. I thought, you know, I really, I'm, I'm very hands-on, so that's what I did. But very early on, um, my first pregnancy, I developed a first autoimmune disease. The symptoms were super mild. The doctors were slightly panicky, but I had a gut feeling my pregnancy was going to be absolutely fine, and I'm someone who does not panic. I don't panic, I don't like fuss, I'm calm, especially when there is a problem. Um, And indeed, everything went well. I had my baby, everything was all right. But after that, I started having a severe deterioration. And I realized what the doctors were referring to. I had another baby after getting slightly better. And I then developed a second autoimmune disease. So my first autoimmune disease is ulcerative colitis. Mm. And the second one, much rarer, is a blood disorder called autoimmune hemolytic anemia, which can be fatal.
1: But just to, to clarify, so the first autoimmune disease, you you uh, were battling that post-pregnancy until the time of your second
0: child. That's right. right, and I was already from day one trying to find holistic ways mm. of getting better because I was given steroids, and I realized that when I was on steroids, I was okay. The moment you stopped them, you started. Fla- I started flaring again. Mm. And actually over time, medication didn't work anymore. So what happens with drugs is at the beginning you get a lot of the upside and not much of the downside. Mm -hmm. the more you take them first the more you toxify your liver and also you start getting very little upside and more downside so it is not sustainable Mm -hmm. so at at the beginning i was given uh, corticosteroids then i was asked to take immunosuppressants back then you didn't have covid so Mm -hmm. doctors said to me it's absolutely fine I said no I I don't want to take that what about if I catch the flu oh you'll be all right as I was trying to work out a holistic solution to my problems I ended up of course taking medication because it stopped me from deteriorating further but it didn't make me it didn't make me feel well and uh, I remember when I was on immunosuppressants I once uh, quote you know a cold which then became a chest infection, it took me months to shake it off because my immunity was so low. And I was thinking, I can't live like this, imagine if I catch something more serious. Mm. Um, And then the last step is biological drugs, but to cut a very long story short, there was a point between October 2012 and February 2013 where I was kept alive with blood transfusions because my body was destroying my own red blood cells. Blood transfusions, again, it's not an endless game because every time you're given blood, you develop antibodies and mm. it be- becomes harder to match mm. your blood. My children were young and I, one day I had this stark realization that this is my life, but it's a doctor's job with all due respect to doctors, of course they see many patients. Once they go home, you become a file, a folder. Mm. I thought, I have to take charge of this. Mm. I will fix this, I will not die, I will be there for my children and I'm gonna live a fantastic life. I do not quit (laughs) Mm. Um, So one day, I went to Hammersmith Hospital, and I saw my hematologist, who's one of the best ones in the country, super smart woman, Dr. Cooper, um, and she was looking at my inflammation markers. I kept asking doctors, what's the cause of autoimmune disease? What are the causes? Of course, there is not one cause, so they kept saying to me, well, we don't really know because there isn't, they said there are some genetic factors, some lifestyle factors They don't have the exact answer because it's an array of Mm. things, and we're going to talk about it further. But I noticed she was looking at my inflammation markers, and I said to her, hold on, Dr. Hart, which is my other specialist, looks at that too. Is that the thing in common between my two diseases? Mm. She replied, yes.
1: So it was that a light bulb moment. It
0: was you. a light bulb moment. I thought, this is what I'm going to troubleshoot. I will take my inflammation down. And started, you know, I mean, I had started the research before, but I deepened. And I, I, I started creating a low inflammation lifestyle around the food, around exercise, around mental health, mental wellness, mm. thought processes, everything, down to what kind of massage I'm gonna get. Because when you're really, really inflamed and you mm. get a deep tissue massage, mm. that inflames you more. Because any form of pain is seen by your body as a potential trigger for chronic inflammation. Interesting. So I had to be gentle mm. to get my health back on track, and finally, in 2016, I went off medication and I have been touch wood well
1: since. Well, it's uh, as a hel- as far as self-help stories go, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's quite inspiring. But, and of course, it's now led you to your career today. Um, so again, delighted you're joining us. So if you had to... In a nutshell, describe what exactly is chronic inflammation in your own words. How would you describe it?
0: Inflammation is a healthy body response to a virus, to a cut. For example, if you catch a virus, Mm. your immunity... Your immune system will be triggered to develop a fever to fight the virus. So inflammation is a healthy body response. If you cut yourself, your tissues will inflame so they can reseal. Mm. Um, However, when you start having things in your environment that could be stress, could be a chemical, could be... Some air you're breathing. It could be food you're intolerant to, junk food you're eating because that's not actually food and it's damaging you from the inside. Mm. Lack of sleep, extremely intense exercise, that can pr- that can create low levels of inflammation sustained for a long time.
1: And in many ways, it's almost a silent well. Killer is quite a strong word, but it is. It is, it is. It
0: is the reason. of deaths worldwide are linked to non-communicable diseases, which are diseases you cannot transmit. We develop those diseases like I have when we have chronic inflammation. So when we have inflammation levels running for a long time in the background, that's when we start having a dysregulation of the immune system. Mm -hmm. That, in turn, switches on our bad genes. So if you carry diabetes, or obesity, or heart attacks, depression, anxiety, autoimmune diseases in your genes, mm. and your lifestyle is inflammatory, you have more chances of switching that on. There's a, um, a gene response. That's basically epigenetics, where you can turn off your bad genes, or turn them on depending on your lifestyle.
1: Goodness. And in fact, you, you just touched on it there. Um, Chronic inflammation expresses itself, or the symptoms express themselves in in a variety of different ways. But it can, you mentioned depression, it can impact our mental health.
0: Absolutely. So I was actually having a a conversation one day with a psychiatrist who told me something I was not aware of. I love talking to doctors. I learn so much from them. Um, And actually... (laughs) Quite a few doctors follow my method and have healed their chronic issues with my method. Mm. And uh, when I started discovering that, I thought, w- w- it's quite incredible. They couldn't heal me, and I'm healing them somehow. <laughs> 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 but I'm, I'm very, you know, very medical research-based. Mm. And I, so I was having a conversation with this um, psychiatrist who told me that, A lot of her patients with schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, depression, have high inflammation markers in their bloods. ESR and CRP are inflammation markers that you can get on a blood test. They're not 100% accurate, but they are some of the best tools we have at the moment. Um, So what happens when you become inflamed is you have body inflammation, systemic inflammation, but you also have neuroinflammation, which is inflammation of the brain cells. Mm-hmm. What a very simple example which I'm sure many people will it will resonate with many people, when you have a hangover you feel pretty low.
1: I wouldn't know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you feel pretty low, you have, you feel a bit depressed, you have foggy brain Mm. you can't function you can't wait to spend a day you know drinking water Mm. the reason for that is it's really self-induced neuroinflammation (laughs) you've inflamed your brain cells so you feel down and And,
1: self-inflicted
0: and exactly Mm. (laughs) self-inflicted and neuroinflammation so yes depression anxiety are very very linked to chronic inflammation also 60% of our neurotransmitters sit in the gut, there is a very strong gut-brain connection, so a poor diet will impact our mental health. Um, And um, 90% of our serotonin is produced in the gut. So we have short-chain fatty acids in the gut which produce dopamine, serotonin, GABA, Mm -hmm. all of these being neurotransmitters which highly impact our mood. So on my method, I have a way of making people eat through a day. Because what you put in your tummy first will impact your gut bacteria more. Mm. Simple example, don't start with pudding. Have it at the end. Because it's better to have protein vegetables first to feed your gut bacteria with the right prebiotic for it to... Grow And if you're going to have sugar, you have it after. If you have sugar first, you're going to not only spike your insulin levels more, but also impact your gut bacteria more and feel more down mentally.
1: I see. So I guess we're touching on now the eat, burn, sleep method that, <laughs> that, that you advocate for your clients. And, and I guess this kind of hand-holding is really important. To But the the effects and, and the byproducts are dramatic, the, the yes. benefits. Yes, yes. That's what's very interesting here. So covering mental health, thank you. And what about, therefore, the impact on our physical health? How does it express itself?
0: So, obviously, it is hugely geared towards uh, prevention, to not switch on your bad genes, as I call them. Um, But also, living a low-inflammation lifestyle allows you to have a healthy weight. Mm. So obesity is very linked to chronic inflammation Obesity is is, is an inflammatory disease, Mm. but what happens is it's a vicious circle because if you have inflammation, you have more chances of being obese or putting on weight, but when you are obese, you carry a lot of estrogen in your adipose tissue that the excess fat around your body in turn creates chronic inflammation.
1: I see. So it's a vicious circle.
0: Yeah, so there's an obesity pandemic in the world due to this chronic inflammation pandemic mm. linked to so many things. Food have, has changed. Our environments have changed. We're not living like we used to 100 years ago. Things are very different around us. So a lot of people who start living an anti-inflammatory lifestyle tell me things like, Oh my God, Yalda, my skin is glowing. Well, chronic inflammation ages your organs, damages your organs. Mm. Your skin is your largest organ. So you get mm. what they call the eat, burn, sleep glow. <laughs>
2: what do you call
0: it? <laughs> no, my clients call it like that. Okay. Oh, I get the eat, burn, sleep glow. So now I use that term as well. It's very <laughs> flattering. But the eat, burn, sleep glow f- comes from that, it yeah. comes from within. Mm. Um, and, you know, To give you physical um, examples, people use it to improve their hormones, it helps with PCOS, it helps with, I have a lady who did it because she was very bloated, and she also had um, bleeding gums. Then she goes to the dentist, she didn't have it anymore, the dentist said, what did you do? She said, well, I'm following this lifestyle. Obviously, her gums were inflamed. Mm. You know, we start, the thing is, when we have inflammation, it can show through so many things, through through water retention, there are days you wake up tired. Mm. For people who do yoga, they know that some days they're stiffer than others. Mm -hmm. The days you're stiffer, generally, you're slightly more inflamed. Mm. Um, It can show. these are symptoms,
1: Mm. it's just symptomatic of of a bigger issue, which is chronic inflammation. That's right. Mm. Actually, it should be said at this point. you're not advocating a, a monastic lifestyle, are you? I'm uh, not. You're not. So uh, I think let's just reassure all of us there. Yeah. And I think it's just some simple lifestyle choices and changes that that have these dramatic results. And you, you're very results-driven. Do you want to expand on all of that? And yes. Put
0: us at. So the at first ease? thing is, I love food and wine. <laughs> let's, Good. Let's put it out there. I love food. I love wine. And um, when I had my issues. Back then, now it's much more okay to ask for a dairy-free option in the restaurant. Back then, Mm -hmm. you looked extremely fussy. So I desperately didn't want to look fussy, and I didn't want anyone to notice that I was eating differently. Yes, it's always an awkward moment, isn't it, when you have a
1: a fussy guest at a
0: restaurant? And I do... (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. And so I wanted to live my life as normally as possible. Mm. When I go to a restaurant, no one notices that the way I'm ordering is slightly different. They won't because you always find options. So, so this lifestyle is about don't have, I'll give you an example, don't have pasta every day at home or a sandwich at work. Save that for when you go to a really nice restaurant. Beautiful Italian restaurant. Get some fresh pasta made with eggs. Maybe it's truffle season. Save your treats for when it's worth it. Mm-hmm. If you are at work, go for low inflammation options. It's very much an 80-20 lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It is not meant to be about perfection. It is about damage limitation. Yes. All well said. I firmly believe, and this has been shown, of course, since the pandemic, but even before then, I was talking about the fact that the number one factor for longevity, and has been showed in this amazing study called the blue zones, is social interactions. So when I see someone who goes into a a diet, and that's Mm -hmm. why I do not call what I do a diet, it's not. Goes on to a diet, does meal prep, boxes it in plastic boxes in their fridge. They don't see anyone for a week and they think they're being healthy. Hmm. I just want to scream. First, there's a crazy loss of nutrient. When food tastes nice and it doesn't have enhancers in it, it's because there's a higher bioavailability of nutrients. So when you taste a tomato and it's tasteless, generally the vitamin C in it is pretty low. If you are in Italy and you're biting into a tomato and it feels amazing, Mm. it's probably very high in antioxidants and in vitamin C. Mm -hmm. So our bodies know best. Go for tasty food, continue seeing your friends, have your fun, but limit the damage. When it's not worth it, stick to my green lists.
1: (laughs) Yes, because there's a fine line, isn't there? The irony is by depriving yourself of everything, you're actually making yourself pretty miserable. And correct. And, and life's for living, after all. So.
0: Yes, and that makes you very unhealthy.
1: Mm-hmm. And that in itself causes long-term C- correct. problems.
0: Because 60% of your neurotransmitters is being produced in the gut, mm-hmm. and 70% of your immune system cells, gut-associated lymphoid tissue, sits in the gut. Mm-hmm. If you are depressed, that worsens your gut bacteria, which then brings your immune system down.
1: So let's simplify this even more. So breakfast, lunch, dinner, we're in a restaurant. What should we, what are your tips, Yelda, uh, for for making the right choices at the right time?
0: You're very, um, it's so funny you're asking because I'm going for lunch later and I actually (laughs) did this this morning. I quickly went online on the menu and I quickly looked at the menu. I thought, okay, I'm gonna have this and this and that. So when I'm hungry, and I come to the restaurant, I don't go for an option that's going to you know, take me off track. So what I do is I share food lists for people to stick to roughly, mm-hmm. and a restaurant ordering guide. I'm like, okay, if you go to an Italian, take this, take that, avoid this, avoid that. But also, what I urge people to do is to not worry if there is a teaspoon of sugar in it, mm-hmm. okay? It is not about perfection, it's about damage limitation. So you can eat out on this lifestyle three times a day, no problem, but you keep in mind the right portions and it's basically structured moderation backed by science giving you a roadmap to follow, which is extremely easy to stick to.
1: I suppose the, the toughest period is at the outset when, you know, lifestyle change probably takes weeks, possibly a month or two to... Yes. But then it becomes habit. And then I think after that, you probably can be released back into the wild.
0: <laughs> you are so on point. It takes 21 days to reset habits. Right. Okay. This has been proven. Habits are actually um, pathways in the brain, which are literally engraved. There's the, brains, the brain is engraved with little lines, which are our habit. It takes about 21 days for them to disappear and for new ones to be ingrained. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: On my platform, I have a six-week reset because 21 days, which is three weeks, is the time to reset your habits. And six weeks, which is roughly a quarantine, around 42 days, is a very important human cycle. We know that we used to quarantine people 40 days when they had illnesses. Um, Postpartum period is six weeks. The mourning period in many religions is around 40 days. Mm. It is a cycle for humans. So I take people through this six week reset and after that they follow a lifestyle guide where they can adapt it to their own taste, their own culture, their, and it becomes completely second nature. And through rewiring the gut bacteria, a lot of them tell me, oh my God, Yelda, I crave the right foods now. Mm. But this is what happens.
1: That must be very rewarding for you to hear that.
0: Yeah, like, I like hearing that. It keeps yes. me going. <laughs> yeah, that's its
1: own reward for you, for you I suppose. Um, let's talk about uh, breakfast, actually. Yeah. Um, and the reason I'm asking is, you know, I think we were all brought up to understand that it's the main meal of the day. Um, is it that there is fasting now? People, are there are all sorts of... It can be confusing. There are a lot of messages out there. Um, how should we address breakfast
0: well I've uh, I've looked into fasting quite a bit Mm. and um, for some people some people for example they are not morning eaters Mm. it's and some people wake up they need breakfast I think it's quite important to listen to your body and trust that but for people who are on my platform and are not morning eaters I say okay that's fine but don't go and grab a naughty snack at 11 Mm. So if you want to postpone this breakfast, which gives you all the nutrients you need to reset your gut bacteria, makes you feel good, improve your body composition by supporting your muscles and lowering your adipose tissue, have your breakfast at 10 if that's better for you. Mm. It's about, it very much is about <coughs> educating people. What I like is educating people so they can take that education and apply it to their own circumstances. Mm. Um, when it comes to breakfast it is very important to have the right things because we are coming out of a fast so whether breakfast is at 8am or 10 or 11 or Mm -hmm. noon, the first thing you put in your mouth and that hits your stomach will impact your bacteria much more
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I'll give you a simple example nothing is ever linear Okay. We have looked into the bioavailability, which is the availability of nutrients of different foods. And if you look at protein, for example, if you take a a piece of chicken and there are X amount of protein in it, our body will not absorb it the same way depending on if we've eaten protein before or not. Our bodies Mm -hmm. are so clever at knowing what we need. So depending on what we have had before, the absorption of nutrients depending on what we eat will not be the same. The reason why I'm talking about this is at breakfast, we haven't had anything for maybe 10 hours, Mm -hmm. eight hours. We're going to absorb that fully. So it is so important that you don't go and grab a sugary cereal packet
1: Well, yes. I mean, the food industry has a lot to answer for, probably. I think uh, cereal packets over the years have often uh, promoted themselves as healthy choices when, in fact, there are all sorts of hidden sugars. Mm -hmm. Um, Look at children's cereal packets, you know, with... There could be honey monsters, cartoons, toys, all sorts of things to encourage them, but actually they're inflaming their bodies. We are inflaming our bodies from a very young age.
0: And increases chances of diabetes, damaging the pancreatic function. Uh, Orange juice is another one. A lot of people think they're being healthy having orange juice. Mm. I know somebody who ate roughly healthy, but started every breakfast with a big glass of orange juice and developed diabetes. Mm. His doctor couldn't work out where it came from, His doctor's conclusion was he probably disrupted his pancreas with that orange juice every morning over 30 years on empty stomach. And all the while,
1: he probably thought he was making a healthy choice.
0: Correct. He thought he was having vitamin C. Actually, if you squeeze an orange, there's quite a great loss of nutrient, but there's much more vitamin C in a red pepper or a blackberry Hmm. than... (laughs) but it's all about marketing and um, the food industry is a business many studies unfortunately a lot of studies when it comes to food I mean all the studies have to be financed Mm. generally people who will go and finance studies when it comes to food are big food giants because it's expensive Mm. so there is a lot of bias when it comes to what's advertised out there in the food industry.
1: No, I think a lot of us feel hoodwinked sometimes and maybe government could do more. Um, But in the meantime, we have to educate ourselves to make these right choices.
0: I always say we need to take charge of our own health. Mm. A doctor can't sleep for you. Mm. A government can't tell you everything. You know, there's a point where you have to take responsibility and say, "Okay, I'm going to do my research a little bit. I'm going to get educated because... My health is my most precious asset.
1: Yes. Well, this in itself, this podcast, I think is a real education for all of us. Um, what, uh, well, what additives and, and food should we actually avoid, if you had to list your top three?
0: So, obviously, sugar, sodium. Mm-hmm. But salt is not unhealthy. Sea salt, pink Himalayan salt, it's, because those salts have lower sodium levels and have higher mineral levels is the fine table salt that's added. Mm. And what's really scary with cereals, like you were mentioning, is because they put sugar and they put salt, you do not taste the salt. When you do not eat processed foods, Mm. it's very difficult to overdo the salt because, again, our bodies are very clever, where if something tastes too salty to you, it means that your sodium levels and mineral levels are high enough. If you are craving salt mm. but you're not eating processed foods where there are hidden salts wh- whatever salt you can eat means you need it. It's very interesting. interesting. And I think we need to trust our bodies more yes. by giving our bodies more whole and natural foods. Mm. But the 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 latest thing that's um that I have discovered quite recently um as I was having um, an Instagram live with a doc- doctor, Doctor Don Charling, who um, did Yale Medical School, her re- residency on obesity medicine at Harvard, and is writing a book on mm-hmm. gut inflammation. Uh, we did a live together, and I have learned that there are enhancers in foods which are linked to gut inflammation and obesity. She noticed, as an American, that whenever she traveled for her holidays in Italy, she didn't have bloating anymore. Mm -hmm. Being a scientist, she only focused on the food. I know there is a huge stress element. If you're stressed, you'll be more bloated because of the brain-gut connection. But on the food element, where she's absolutely on point, is she's realized that there are enhancers and additives added in a lot of food in the US, and now throughout Europe, unfortunately this is going around the world, Mm -hmm. um, which are very linked to gut inflammation, and those are thickeners, emulsifiers, they account for zero calories, okay? Mm -hmm. There's been a study conducted on mice where there were two groups of mice, which were given the exact same diet they were given water as well one group had the enhancers emulsifiers, thickeners added to the water zero calories and the other had just plain water mm-hmm. the group of mice with, with, with the thickeners and emulsifiers started gaining weight because it disrupts the gut bacteria poor gut bacteria is very linked to chronic inflammation and weight gain. So Hmm. it's not necessarily... for those of us
1: that thought it was a simple mathematical equation of calories, it's not as simple as that.
0: It's not. It's all about improving your gut bacteria and keeping your inflammation levels as low as possible.
1: Hmm. Actually, what about the, the diet colas and uh, you know oh, those are lethal yes
0: those are lethal because um, those sweeteners first they, they disrupt the gut bacteria but also a lot of them are chemicals made in the lab so it is not food we're ingesting things that are not food hmm. so of course it's making us sick mm-hmm. it tastes like food tricks us but it's not food
1: so just straightforward just avoid correct uh
0: something you said at the at the
1: start of this show uh you you mentioned exercise and certain forms of exercise that that may uh help us um but others that may inflame as, as well so um do you have, do you advocate certain exercise over others um, maybe let's expand on that
0: i do mm. the reason that I'll tell you a little bit of background. As soon as I was getting better when I was sick, because I love exercising, I love movement, um, I've, you know, I'm a keen tennis player, I have love horse riding, and I just like keeping fit. Whenever I felt slightly better, I would book my personal trainer and do a session. I'm slightly competitive, so... <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't relate to that at all.
0: So whatever he gave me, I did. I didn't care if I if it didn't feel good, if it, if I was it was painful. I just did it because that's who I am. I'm not a quitter. I just did everything he told me to do. And every time I saw him, for the rest of the day, I was wiped out in bed. I could barely go up the stairs. I was what So I, was, I spoke to a friend of mine who has Crohn's disease. I told her, "Oh my God! I saw my personal trainer. I was feeling better. I'm so." exhausted and she giggled she said yeah isn't that crazy how we we can't even exercise i thought that's interesting we can't exercise we have chronic disease we can't exercise i started looking into exercise more and i've realized that intense exercise is extremely inflammatory if it was good for you, every sportsman would live till a 100. They don't. They develop joint problems. They develop lots of issues as they get older. Movement is good for us. Bearing a little bit of weight is good for us because that's what we've done ancestrally. Mm-hmm. But working out intensely is not great. Okay. So I... Continued researching it, and when I say research, it's also trial and error testing on myself, trying because I'm so sensitive to it. Um, I realized that I came, I came back to exercise with very slow yoga when I had autoimmune hemolytic anemia. It's the one thing that I could uh, tolerate slow yoga, mm. and also because the breathing was improving my nervous system. Mm. So, when you breathe properly you switch on your parasympathetic nervous system which is which is responsible for rest digest reproduce and your immunity when you do something really intense that kicks in your cortisol levels which switches on your sympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system is the fight or flight mm-hmm. system in us which is there for survival but if we kick it in too often, that can lead to chronic inflammation. Right. Last but not least, it is very important to move. You need movement to l- l- detoxify your liver, mm-hmm. which is the organ responsible for over 500 functions in the body, including hormone homeostasis, mm. which is balancing out your hormones, and lipolysis, which is burning your fat cells. So, you want a healthy liver function, moderate exercise is part of it, Uh, and also strengthening your core muscles is Mm -hmm. very important, and your glutes, which are your bigger group of muscles, Mm -hmm. because the glutes hold the spine, the core muscles front and back hold the spine, and the vagus nerve links the spine to the gastrointestinal tract. Your immune system cells are in your GIT, as we've just discussed. A lot of your neurotransmitters produced there. So, when you have a strong core, you have a better gut health, and you have lower chronic inflammation. So it's about the balance.
1: Yes. So, so effectively, you're ad- advocating a balanced, moderate approach, sensible nutritional intake. Uh, with the right exercise and doing everything at the right time in the right amounts. That's
0: right. I'm the queen of moderation. (laughs) The queen of moderation. Um,
1: Well, as I said earlier, this has been absolutely fascinating. What are the rules you live by, Yalda? Your own personal code. Share some
0: of that. That's such a good question. So, So the number one thing is I refuse to be led by fear it's been something in me since I was a little girl. I don't do scaremongering. I don't do crazy headlines. So that means I don't buy into fads. Mm -hmm. I'm a no-nonsense person. That's the number one thing, is no nonsense, no fear. Whatever happens, look at it, relax. It's going to be fine. We're going to work it out. The second thing is if you stick to your values, we all have a different set of values and there's always peer pressure in the world. Whether it is to embark veganism or, which I'm firmly against, or to maybe at some party do something you don't want to do. I stick to my guns. I find that it gives me happiness because I'm... You're in control. Yes. And also, always have fun. Hmm. Smile, laugh, see your friends, drink, make fun of yourself. When I was in hospital with he- hemolytic anemia, I don't think I've ever laughed that much in my life. It's my, it's my protection mechanism. So I would ask for the sun and all the British tabloids because the headlines are always hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I kept my spirits up.
1: So star ate my hamster. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway. So, those are the things that I live by.
1: Well, I think that's a wonderful way to round off this show. Um, I think you're an inspiration for many. Certainly, your clients have known that for a long time. And our listeners have had an insight today. So, I thank you for that. Uh, eat, burn, sleep. Yalda Aloe. And uh, we look forward to working with you here at Lanzhoff at the Arts Club into the future as well.
0: Me too. And what an honour. Thank you so much for having me.